Hello and welcome to Working Historians, a podcast series where we discuss what historians do with their lives. I am Rob Denning, Associate Dean for Liberal Arts for Southern New Hampshire University's online history programs. As I noted in our last episode, over the next couple of months, I'm going to share some of the work that is being done on my other podcast series, Passion and Practicality, a liberal arts podcast. Today, I am rebroadcasting an interview conducted by Callie Cook, a career advisor at SNHU, with Bonnie Barnes, the executive director for Keys History and Discovery Center in Florida. In this episode, Callie and Bonnie discuss the different career paths open to history students and tips regarding informational interviewing and company research. This episode was originally broadcast on the Passion and Practicality podcast feed on November 11th, 2022. Hello, everyone. It's Callie again from SNHU Career Services. Thanks so much for listening to our liberal arts podcast series. Today we have our featured guest, Bonnie Barnes, Executive Director with Keys History and Discovery Center in Florida. Today's topic is informational interviewing, company research, and different career paths one can explore with a history degree. So thank you so much for joining us, Bonnie. It's such a pleasure to have you with us today. Please go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about Keys History and Discovery Center. So I am the executive director, Bonnie Barnes, and the Keys History and Discovery Center is a 7,500 square foot museum here in the Florida Keys, right about the middle of the island chain. So we're halfway to Key West and halfway to the mainland. And we cover the upper Keys history because Key West is a, is a another nation unto itself and so they've got lots of museums lots of fun things but in the northern part of the um, chain of islands we're the only history museum we do have another spectacular specific museum called the history of diving museum which is world renowned for what they carry so really neat both of us are here together taking on the world, entertaining people, and educating them on really cool things. Awesome. Awesome. I don't, I'll be honest, I don't know a whole lot about the Keys Islands. Um, I've been to Florida twice in my entire life and enjoyed both visits, um, but uh, the Keys are definitely locations still on my list, so it's really interesting to to hear these things about you and know that, you know, you're in the in the northern part. Um, all right. So first, I'd like to ask you some questions just related to history opportunities. Um, so my first question, what are some of the skills you think are most noteworthy to have entering the field? Entering the field, it's difficult because I think that a lot of your professionals coming out of college do not have the opportunity to get any kind of real life experience. So when you look at it, it's what can you do in your own areas to get involved, to volunteer at the local history centers, museums, libraries, whatever you can, because no matter what you do, it will look better on a resume when you're talking to a museum, um, a library, it's collections, it's sorting, you know, uh, museum, it's helping in the collections department, it's helping with exhibits, it's helping at the front counter. Any kind of experience you get gives you a heads up on your competition and getting actually um, hired in the field. Excellent. Excellent. You heard it from Bonnie, everybody. 
get that volunteer experience, look for opportunities in your area. That's what's going to take you a little bit further and put you ahead of some of your competition. All right, next question. What types of roles do you see history students in and how can they grow from these opportunities? The roles can vary because it doesn't matter if you can get in the door, if you're, I mean, please don't take this wrong, if you're sweeping the floors or, you know, helping at the front desk or helping in the gift store, you're at least in the door, you're able to show somebody what, that you're, you've got an interest and then sticking your nose into other areas. Oh, you're working on an exhibit. Ooh, can I do a little bit of research for you? You know, the background and the training that a history major has is unique in that you understand that Google is not your best friend and there are other resources out there that give you insights into what a museum needs to know. We're a small museum. Having somebody be a researcher for us, even volunteering as a student to do something to help us get our next exhibit and do that legwork, everybody in a museum is overworked, they're understaffed, you do not get paid the best there ever is. If you want to make a lot of money, museums are not where you want to be. So, you know, sorry about that. You do it because you love it. You don't do it because it's going to make or break you in life. And so getting your foot in the door, offering ways to be of help to somebody is really huge. And remind me to go back to it exactly it may go after number three we did something unique this summer and i'd love to talk about it okay yes that would be fantastic now it's so great to hear that the museum environment is truly a labor of love I, i feel like the more history students that i speak to and and historians in the field are very much like this is i am extremely passionate about this space there's there's always such a huge passion element to it so it's it's always exciting to get to talk to those individuals all right so if a student has no experience where should they start to get some experience in the field i know we've kind of covered this a little bit but I have have said volunteer, but there's also something like internships. So we did something really unique. I took over this museum. My background is not museums. My background is not history, but my background is nonprofit. And I lucked into leading this museum. But when I came in, the museum has been here since 2013, and they had a historian, not a museum professional running it. So we were gifted with a research library, collections from some of our major historians in the area. And so what do you do with them? You're supposed to process them. So they spent two summers using um, hired contract help to come in and at least catalog the collections. And so they were in an Excel spreadsheet but nothing had been done at this point in this museum to actually process those collections, put them into an archival software and make them useful to a community or the world. So when we found this out, we wanted to do it, but we're so far behind the eight ball. We've got eight years, including 30 years of 
newspapers in the area that went out of business that we've got all their originals and somebody has to scan all of these and digitize them. They're not on microfiche. There is no digital records. If we burn down tomorrow, all of that history oh is gone. So we tried to get a grant, but we were unsuccessful. We live in a very expensive area for housing that the our Airbnbs go for very expensive. We partnered with a private club who had were seasonal down here. So they had housing and they gave us housing for our graduate students to come in this summer and help us start to process. So we acquired software. We picked something called Catalog It instead of the standard um, Past Perfect or any of those because the museum in Key West was using it. Fantastic software, very visual. And if you know what you're doing, my background is marketing. If you hook it up to the Internet immediately, the whole world can see it. And it's watermark. So that's what we did as we started it. First, we recruited for history, collections, museum, students, and then got the ability to house them. So we brought in eight students for four weeks and then another eight students for another four weeks working nine to five in our museum, provided them housing, and then they placed, turned around and fed them dinner Wednesday through Sunday. And then they gave us a bus to drive them back and forth to the museum. So we were able to process 4,200 plus items into our new collection software that is now on the Internet, now live. And the hope is that with the community's help, we can start to identify some of the photos that we don't know who the people are. But we couldn't have done it without graduate student interns that gave them real life experience that many of them had never been in a museum environment. And now they have that on their resume as they go to look for their next position. And we're going to do it hint, 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 again next summer. Uh, you heard that, everybody. An opportunity may arise for you if you are interested. So will you still be going through the same club that you used before for housing? Yes. They've already oh, promised us. They so loved it. Awesome. And you want to know why they're a private club? And they have history back to the turn of the century, not the century. Really? And they had never done anything to protect their documents. So we also helped them use the same software and start to archive and process their own collections. That is amazing. They what love us. <laughs> interesting opportunity. So That is so unique. Such a cool thing to look out for. So if, say, someone wanted to apply. Where would they go to do that? And what materials do they need to have to apply? So we asked for their, not their transcripts, but we asked for them to give us their CVs. We asked for references. And um, we, literally, we had one from Troy University. I'm going to not hit them all. Several from Mississippi State, one from Brigham Young, uh, two from University of North Florida, because we're in Florida, one from University of Southwestern Florida, a couple from University of Florida. And, and I'm not even hitting them all. There was Missouri involved. Yeah. And so it was really exciting because they came from all over. They each had their own room, which surprised me. I figured they'd yeah. be dorm. They were not. 
So it was really, really neat. Um, so that was really in, in it, it, what they did in their activities, of course, to date made a difference in who was actually chosen. So if you were already working with the local museums or doing things, you had an up on some of the other applicants. That's awesome. Ah, such good information to know. So if anyone's looking for internship opportunities, you know where to look. Um, and just for clarification for some of you that are listening, if you've never heard the term CV before, that refers to a curriculum vitae. If you're still not sure what that is, contact Career Services and we can help you put that together. Yay! Thank you for that. Yes, yes, absolutely. Okay. So, Bonnie, tell me a little bit about some of the roles you see liberal arts majors thrive in in your organization. When you look at a museum and, and you look at any business, they need a variety of things. We actually, I forgot, recruited one person from SCAD, Savannah School of Art and Design, which was not a museum specialist, but had extreme experience in scanning photographs and retouching. So therefore, when you look at the variety of skills, as you're looking at your historian experience, if you go into learning some of the other skill sets that might be needed. Yes, I want to work in a museum. And yes, they may pigeonhole you into programming and lecturing and, and, and educational type things. Everything matters. Your entire background and what you've done and what you volunteered in, you know, be a Girl Scout advisor or putting on programs in any of the things that you've done. List all of that on your on your CV. We're going to call it that again, because it does matter. And those are the things we were looking for is what kind of interactions had they done? So two of our people actually helped with one of our exhibits, which was um, a water exhibit, study of water. And they actually got to help do a little bit of the content for the display. And they recorded in both English and Hispanic so that we were multilingual on the display. And so they were so excited at being able to do that. I love I love your use of the word interactions and how how powerful and impactful that is for students to remember and for students to participate in and bring to the table um, as a potential intern or a potential applicant. I think I think that's that's going to be uh, a word that I'm adding to um, to my vocabulary and using that regularly for for students because that's it's a very powerful word when you think about interactions. Um, and also for any uh, photography majors who just by chance may have stumbled upon this and are listening, um, this this may be a good opportunity for you to remember as well. We you know we always encourage think think of opportunities outside the box sometimes, um, especially with graphic design students, photography students, marketing students. We try to remember to, to think outside the box, and and that's a that's a big think outside the box category that I hadn't even thought of before. So thank you for bringing that to the table because that um, that gives me a little bit more to give to those students as well. Okay. So would you recommend candidates who are applying to internships and full-time positions have a portfolio or social media related to their history experience? Absolutely. Um, 
again, my background's marketing, and portfolios are well known in the industry I'm in. The ability to show somebody, okay, here's a photograph, it's all brown, it's got the cracks in it, and look what I did with it, I made it beautiful. Of course, we still keep the original because it's history, but you yeah. show both. Um, in the his in the in the museum world or the history studies, there's not a lot of opportunity for that. But think of your writings, think of the things that you've done um, for school even, or if you've written for any publications or any papers, you want those because an employer also wants to know: Can you write? Can you write literally? Can you know in in the documentation world you're putting down factual but you're also when you're doing exhibits and stuff you're trying to do a marketing language so yeah. being in present tense using active voice versus passive voice all of these things if i'm looking at somebody's writing styles i'm looking for something like that because that's what's really going to matter as you start to put together exhibits or work on content or, or even developing educational programming for the schools yeah. every bit of this you you do not think it matters oh but it does everything that you do matters so a portfolio showing some examples or sending them along with a resume hey here's some of my writing samples oh i i play in photography a little here's a couple of what i could do there to help you every bit of that makes you more valuable to any institution or any job you're applying for always taking that extra step and being ahead of somebody else is 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 a good thing yeah definitely i love that everything you do matters so remember that as as you're going through your education everything you do matters make a file on your computer and save some of your best work save the comments from your instructors make sure that you have that ready to go um, because you may be setting up a portfolio one day for bigger opportunities that are out there. So yeah, make sure that you have something to showcase. Thank you, Bonnie. That's excellent, excellent advice. Everything you do matters. I love it. I have do one you, more thing too. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm just going to oh, say go it because a younger new graduate ought to also look at smaller museum opportunities because a a small museum where only three, four people, you could come in and learn as you grow. Because yeah. the, normally these institutions are mature, the exhibits exist, you just want to make improvements or you can improve on the educational programming or do things like that. So you don't, you can do more and grow more in a smaller institution than you ever will in a larger institution. Be where you could be pigeonholed in the collections department forever, you know. Yeah. So think of that if you want the variety and you want to develop a full, more rounded, call it a CV again, you know, you're never going to stay in this day and age in the same place forever. You're not the 20, 30 year yeah. person at this museum. It doesn't work that way in the business world anymore. You, you do want to go out and get worldly advice, worldly knowledge and move from one to another because that's the only way you're going to do better and succeed yeah yeah those opportunities are where we we continue to learn and grow and i think that's why people move jobs is because they're like 
I've learned a lot here and I'd like to see what I can learn here and so on and so forth. So yeah, excellent advice to start small because you're so right. There's, there's so much more that you can learn in that small space and have the opportunity to try so many different things instead of being, you know, pigeonholed into something that doesn't really allow for a lot of variety. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. No, 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 no. Interruptions are welcome. Absolutely okay. welcome. So do you find that academic projects from college contribute to a student's overall experience and potential for landing interviews? How would you how would you go about presenting those, say, in a CV or during the interview or in the portfolio space? How would you go about presenting those? So I think you've got two eyes and I have two ears and one mouth and so you're supposed to listen more and you want to direct to what they're saying you don't want to just gurgitate everything you've done you want to try and get them to ask you to tell them okay so listening is critical in an interview and in an interview skill but trying to relate what you've done and those projects you're speaking of in a school environment to what they need. So when they're describing the position or, you know, you don't want to just say it to say it, you want to find the right spot to say it and how it fits and will help them solve their problem. Yeah. Or it's just, it, 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 you know, just let it be listed on the document or make them ask you, put it in a way, detail it enough with enough detail. Don't just say, um, my daughter was picked for practicum film for Chicago College. You know, what does that yeah. mean? She was one of five students in a film school that got to produce an entire production, you know, with a hundred person cast. So, you know, explain that so yeah, that they understand yeah. that it meant something in their environment. Otherwise, me as an outsider, what is practicum? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Make Use language that makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. All right. Well, Bonnie, this is great information so far. Um, I'd like to move a little bit into some questions related to informational interviewing and company research. I have a feeling you've got to have some great suggestions on this. So, what do you think the benefit of a student conducting an informational interview in the history field is? So what do you mean that they're actually going ahead of a job and asking people if they have any jobs or? Not, not necessarily. So sometimes with inter informational interviewing, it's something that we encourage that they do as a way to get to know people in the field. So it's really a huge component of networking and asking them like, what do you do? Um, Tell me a little bit about where you work. Um, tell me about the different positions there. Just getting to know that individual so that they they can kind of build their community um, of individuals that they get to know that know their skills and vice versa. Um, that's that's more of what I mean by informational interviewing. Always important. And in fact, in any of your communities, if you have any kind of museum associations, if you don't belong to those, even as a student, because they give you great rates, they let you in for practically nothing. The conferences are amazing what you can learn. And I tell you what, you can get most of your jobs by just showing up and yeah. just getting to know people. So informational interviewing in that realm. Hell yeah. I mean, the more you do it, the more people know you. So definitely network, interview, talk to people, go in. If you're not 
going into the museums near you and, you know, just being a pain in the butt in their side, especially if you want to work in there. Definitely. Find sure. everybody. Ask everybody questions. Yes. Talk to everybody. Talk to anybody and everybody. Talk to somebody and say, who do you know? Can I talk to them? That's yeah. It's the best way to build. Tell me, so I, I know I'm going off uh, track a little bit here, but tell me a little bit about some of the conferences that you've attended, some of the ones that you recommend. So I am new in the history, but I've been in nonprofit conferences, associations. Um, my field, of course, is to raise the money for the museum. So I definitely am a part of planned giving associations. I'm a part of association of fundraising professionals where I've been to their local conferences, their state conferences, the international conferences, because there's nothing better than learning from others in your field. So if you don't take advantage of it during COVID, um, my person who worked here in the um, museum, I made sure she was part of the AAM um, fall meeting up in Boston. And so, you know, she's she did it remotely. So they made it easy for students and, and people to do it. So if you're not doing it, I mean, they give it to you. They even have scholarships. If you're not looking at these associations, you know, it, it says right there, apply and, and they they will let you in free. So definitely do that. Yeah. yeah. Take advantage of those opportunities for sure. They're they're right there in front of you. Just got to grab them and take them. And if you need any recommendations on different associations that you can potentially join or how to find them, again, contact Career Services. That's what we're here for. All right. What what questions would you suggest students ask in an informational type interview or even just just a networking get to know you? I think it's always about why are you doing this? What is your passion? What keeps you here? And if you were to leave, why would you leave and what would you want to do next? Okay, because you have to think of yourself. You you want to know, you know, do they enjoy it? Um, what would you do differently if you were doing it again? How how would you grow? Are you where you want to be? Are you happy where you are? Yeah. So I don't know, just whatever. I mean, anything to get <laughs> them to talk, not you. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. It's all about it's all about learning about them. Definitely, one hundred percent. I'll add one more, and I, here I am talking again. You've got to not want to interrupt with your own stories when you've asked them to tell you something. You need to save them, sit on them, bite your tongue, and let them finish. Do not interrupt with your own, oh, my God, I'm just like that. Let them finish. That's right. I I love that piece of advice because so often – we listen to respond instead of listening to understand. And that's that's a perfect example of take the time to listen to understand and just absorb that information and let it become a part of you so that when it is time for you to share your story, you, you've built this impression from another person and you've grown and you've built off of that as well. So yeah, great, great advice. Let's see. What is your opinion on the value of networking in the history field? 
I think based on our conversation. Yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, really, uh, really I think, I think we can agree. It's pretty valuable. <laughs> I don't care if you're the quietest wallflower that doesn't want to do, you know, and you're going to go to the conference or the museum network and hide in the back. Go. So I'm a crazy person that's used to people who don't like to network and don't like to do. I'm the impossible person that will walk up to you and drag your butt out and make you meet people. Okay. Yes, I love it. So, yeah. It. So you have to do that and you have to grow yourself because no matter whether you're, you know, an introvert or not, and you get to be the introvert once you have that job and you can hide in your collections room and you can play with your little artifact, but you got to get the job first. Yes. yes, absolutely. It's, you know, breaking out of our comfort zones is hard, but as many of us have probably heard, it's the only way we can really learn. I would say for those that, just want to hide in the back corner and don't really want to be noticed and don't really want to be seen one get an accountability partner like bonnie um and take them with you to conferences so that you're forced to meet people and two i would encourage you to try doing something once a week that you wouldn't normally do and when you start out it can be something as simple as okay well I brushed my teeth four times today instead of two times today just do something that's a little bit out of the norm for you clean out your refrigerator just just do something that that you wouldn't normally do on a regular basis and then once you realize you know that wasn't so hard yeah it was different but it wasn't so hard take it up a notch and drive a different route home one day and just just continue building on those experiences of, you know, this isn't normally what I do, but like now that I've done it, it's okay that I've done it. And that can really take you far. And getting to that point where you're at a conference, and you're like, you know what, I don't want to stand in the back of the room, I want to go introduce myself to this individual, because I've heard a lot about them, or that presentation was stellar, I really want to go talk to that individual and just tell them what a great job that they did and introduce myself you'll get there. Just take those baby steps. Yeah. All right. I think we've talked a pretty good amount about the best ways to network in the world of history. Um, I think we've definitely covered some good spaces there. Um, so if there's anything you'd like to add, definitely jump in. Um, and if there's any other advice that you can offer about informational interviewing, please feel free to share that. No, you, you nailed it on the end there. Wow. Right. That was okay. good. All right. It's what I do. <laughs> but I'm constantly learning and growing as well. All right. So let's move into some questions on company research. Um, when researching employers, what should students be looking for? That's really hard because part of it is what are you looking for? Okay. And it's really difficult. Sometimes it isn't always going to be the right fit. Never take it personally, but look for, is it a management style that I think I can live with? Is it what I really want to do? Or am I just looking at this company because they're A rated, you know, the best museum in town. But if, if I take the position, am I just taking it 
because they are the best and I'm never going to be able to shine at this place. So when you're researching, it's it's about what is the position? Is it what I really want to do? Is it does it have a growth potential? Does it have good management? Um, are they on solid ground? You know, you can research if it's a nonprofit museum on something called GuideStar. And you can actually look at their financials at any time for any nonprofit in the in in the United States, at least, and see what they're doing and what is their annual salaries. And I won't tell you that it will tell you what the management makes. (laughs) So those are things you can look at. I had somebody come in and and we'll just use a number and they said, oh, I'd like 60,000 to work here. You know, well, if you can see that their overall payroll is only, you know, 200,000 and there's only three, four people, you're not going to get 60,000. So there's a lot you can learn by looking at financials. Obviously, a for-profit museum, you're not going to see those kind of things or a chain of museums. So, but that's something in researching employers, taking a look at that is not a bad thing to do at all. Um, Knowing what they do and what their focus is, you know, asking questions like what kind of educational programs are you in the local schools? Are you, you know, what are you focusing on? What is, what is your revenue generation? What, you know, those kind of things when you're researching your employer. Okay. Excellent. Oh, that's fantastic. I wrote down GuideStar immediately because that, wow, I never heard of that resource before. And I know so many students that would benefit from that. I know a lot of career advisors who are going to be really excited when I share this here this afternoon. They're going to be like, I had no idea. So that's greatly appreciated. So y'all definitely, definitely, there goes, there goes my Southern y'all. Sorry about that. Um, there, Definitely check out GuideStar. Um, that's that's a great way to determine, you know, a lot of different things about a company. All of the things that Bonnie has mentioned here, extremely, extremely helpful. All right. So what are some good strategies to find out more about the company's culture beyond GuideStar? Like what 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 is it like to work there? What um what can you expect to do in a day to day? What's what's that? What's that like? I, I think, you know, the best place to start, of course, with any of them is the website. I'm just laughing because I have a person who wants to get to the USS Constitution up in that area. And when you're talking about people, how do they respond or how do they not respond? Um, we filled out their online form to talk to their collections department a month ago. He hasn't heard from them. I picked up the phone three, four days ago to call them to say he's on his way up there and wants to bring the original lanterns from the USS Constitution from the Keys up here to you. And he has a provenance to say that his grandparents ran the boat place right there by you in Long Island. And so he wants to talk to somebody and see if they want these original lanterns from the yeah. USS Constitution. I have got no call. Not Are you serious? I'm serious. Okay. So that would make me go, I really don't 
want to be involved with that museum, okay? Absolutely. Because they don't respond. Now, granted, that's one person. And, of course, me, I'm a pain in the butt. I'm going to pick up the phone and now call the director of the museum and say, I've been trying for a month and a half to talk with your collections department. And this guy's in a car driving from the Florida Keys to you and wants to talk about the history of his family and learn more, you know, and and you, you, you want a museum to be open. We're open, we're small, but everybody in our community matters. When they walk in, we wanna talk to them. We wanna make them feel like they're the most important person in our lives. Okay, and so that is bothersome to me. So when you say, what else is there? I don't know. Pick up the phone, call, ask a question, see if they answer their phone, see if they return a phone call. You know, just try a little research on something you're working on for school. And then you'll go, huh, huh, these guys are top notch. Look at all that they gave me. Look at how they helped me. I don't know. I mean, I'm just throwing it out there because it's a personal experience I'm going through now. But there are ways, website is great, um, reviews, oh my God, yes, Yelp, all of those. You know, what kind of reviews is the museum getting? Yeah, so. that, is, oh, that is such a unique perspective. And I, you know, I never would have thought, pick up the phone, call them, just ask, ask them a history question that's related to them and see, see what comes of it, see what happens. Because you're right, that can tell you a lot about the culture. I can tell you so much about the culture and whether or not that's a space you want to be a part of based on that culture of did they get back to me or did they not? Yeah, so, I should, they shouldn't have used their name, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if they have somebody listening, they're going to go, oh my God. <laughs> Maybe my phone will ring. <laughs> sometimes, hey, sometimes you just got to light a fire for people, you know? Yeah. <laughs> You can tell I'm a, a terrible person here. No. It's fun. Um, thank you for this opportunity to just just talk. It's just neat. I yeah. am, love what I'm doing here. We have all kinds of great plans to change this place and make it better. And that's what you want is to listen to whoever you're going to go to work for and see if they've got some really cool ideas, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know that um, we have some students who are doing volunteer experiences who have learned a lot uh, based on, you know, what's what's happening, where they're volunteering and, and seeing the different, you know, technologies that they're using and all these great ideas that they have that they want to take with them wherever they go. Um, and so it, it's definitely definitely awesome to see all of the different things that you can learn from different organizations and, and how they do things and their culture and, you know, what value you can bring to the table as well. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Bonnie, is there, is there any other advice that, that you can lend our students? I think you covered some really great things, very, very unique perspectives here that I know have helped me a lot as an advisor, um, just, just to give, just a little bit of an outside of the box perspective on on how to look at these unique opportunities um, that are that are out there. So thank you for that. And I, I know that the students appreciate this as well. Um, 
this is all the questions that I have. Uh, so again, I would like to thank you for joining us today. Um, your commentary has been incredibly helpful for all of our SNHU students who are listening. Um, and of course, thank you to all of our listeners. We hope that this episode has given you some great insight into careers in history. Be sure to check out our other episodes from the Passion and Practicality podcast for more great discussions related to liberal arts. And thank you all for joining us today. This episode originally appeared on the Passion and Practicality podcast feed, but today is appearing on the Working Historians podcast feed. And you can subscribe to either of those podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, wherever you like. That way you won't miss any episodes and you'll continue to hear about all the other cool stuff that historians do with their lives. This podcast does not represent the views of Southern New Hampshire University. If you have any questions or comments for this or any of our other podcasts, please send us a message at workinghistorians at gmail.com. For Kelly Cook and Bonnie Barnes, I'm Rob Denning. Happy job hunting.